Hey, Mary. Yes, Katie. Why'd the pirate join the gym? Uh, the gym? Um, mm-hmm. mm, muscles? Uh, I, I'm like trying to figure it out. I don't know, Katie. Why <laughs> did the pirate join the gym? To improve his booty. Check out this fabulous booty up Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of the HBO show Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. And today we'll be doing a recap of season one. I think first we should reflect on our personal experiences watching the show. Would you like to go first? I would love that. So I think the first thing that I want to say is that for me, watching the show has become completely indissociable from making the podcast Um, because I was literally watching only one episode at a time and then talking about it with you for hours, um, Mm -hmm. which made editing uh, challenging for you. And I apologize about that. (laughs) Oh, no, it was lovely. I like I like to listen back. It was great. Reliving our conversations. I know. (laughs) My goodness. The the, the burgeoning of our of our friendship. (laughs) Yay. And like as much as much as I knew about like certain things or like points of discourse from the fandom because of like cultural osmosis, I was really trying not to read like the big meta pieces and the analysis pieces and all that, like specifically so that I would see it and talk about it through my own lens. And I Mm. did find that a bit stressful, I think, because like I never really knew where I was situating myself within the larger discussion. And so it's sort of right. And so it's sort of like forced me. Okay. So like forced is a bit of a strong word, but like, I guess it definitely pushed me to like intellectualize watching the show from Mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, Yeah. No, I had that exact same experience, I think, Mm -hmm. because I was so afraid. I was like, what if what if we don't point this out? What if we get this wrong? Like, obviously, we can only look at our lived experiences. And there are such great perspectives from other people out there. It was just like, what if we get this? What if we what if it's a bad take? (laughs) What if what if it is a bad take? And what if it's like completely uninformed by what happens later in the show? Right. Because, like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you watch one episode and then you watch another and then it explains what actually happened or like it gives context uh, for, for that. And I think that throughout our recordings, like we sort of did a good job at saying that. Like, I remember like being like, I'm so sorry for what I said about Steed. I take it back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But like, I guess, so I guess where I'm going with this is just to say that like, I spent so much time, intellectualizing watching the show and intellectualizing the show that I didn't actually rewatch it until we planned the recap because I almost associated it with like work and like, (laughs) yeah, right. And like this time around, I, I binged it. I was like, yeah, of course I took some notes and you know, I have some thoughts that have stemmed from that, but like I focused on how the show made me feel. Um, good. 
And that was such a different experience from the mm-hmm. first time around. And I don't know if that's something similar that you lived. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say so. I The first four episodes I had seen, and I had watched the first mm-hmm. four for just entertainment before we started the podcast. So it was a little bit different because I was able to just absorb those a little bit differently. But the last six episodes, yeah, you're, it was pretty stressful because it was like, I don't want to get anything wrong. I don't want to miss anything. Like, um, I know I'm not making like all of these really cool introspective takes, but that's okay. Cause it's just a watch podcast. Like the, you right. know, so it was kind of stressful to put that on ourselves for mm-hmm. this silly little show that <laughs> means so yeah, much to everyone, you know? Exactly. Oh my gosh. And you're touching upon something that's so important, right? It means so much to everybody. And so like you know, getting it wrong sometimes means that people can be unforgiving. Right. Right. And that's, you know, and that's just to say, like, we're, we're two people who have had two lives and we have Mm. two perspectives and that's it. And like, we have tried to recognize the perspective of other people, but like, if you haven't lived it, sometimes you don't always see it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we just kind of, uh, I was always afraid of looking at it and not being able to see all the subtleties that was there. But yeah, now rewatching it just for entertainment, like it's just so delightful and you can just kind of ride the ebbs and flows, which is how it's intended to be consumed. It's not intended to be consumed for a watch podcast. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. And honestly, like, I think that we have to talk about the format for season two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we watch. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it because there's a there's I think that, you know, there's something cool about discovering it as it comes out. But mm-hmm. I, I guess I just don't want it to be so, so stressful for us. Yeah. yeah. Next time around. I think I think season one was, was re- released two episodes at a time, mm-hmm. which would be interesting to see if like the way they're paired like if you think about like the first two episodes and then, mm. you know, if it was like episodes seven and eight. So it was like, um, you know, or and then nine and ten. If nine and ten, if I got to watch nine and ten together, like that'd be a such different experience. Yeah. Than than the stress that I felt between nine and ten. <laughs> I agree. I remember. Like, I remember yeah. because we had trouble, I think, finding some time to record episode nine. Yes. At one point we were just like, okay, let's just find a day because we want to watch episode 10. (laughs) Yeah. That's what really pushed us. So I guess it just depends on how it's released. Right. Um, Exactly. So yeah, we'll have to to look at that. But Mm -hmm. well, yeah. So let's talk about our beloved characters. Yeah. So I guess for this season recap, like we're, we're not, we're obviously not going to do a beat by beat because we would be here for 10 hours as I think (laughs) our listeners already know. Um, but when we decided to do this, we sort of told each other, like, okay, let's just rewatch it and see what comes up. Um, mm-hmm. So is there anything that maybe, like, you want to start with? Um, I looked a lot at, you know, Blackbeard's journey, Ed's journey, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of the way he was um, kind of passive at some points, trying to just let things happen. And see where it landed. Like, um, if you juxtapose Ed's actions during Steed and Izzy's duel. Yes. Versus the act of grace scene 
I remembered it at the time, and I saw it at the time, the way he acted during Steed and Izzy's duel. But when I rewatched it, it was so jarring that this captain, this leader, this this extremely strong personality is literally ducking his head and turning his back and like holding onto this rigging and like almost cowering, like, let okay, just, just let it get figured out for me. And then I'll know, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. just not willing to stand up for anything. And if you compare that to him standing up to Calico Jack and him punching Izzy and screaming act of grace, like mm-hmm. his journey of of realizing how he was in love with Steed, you know, how much Steed meant to him mm-hmm. and and actively, you know, trying to make sure that he's safe. Okay. I have thoughts about that that are starting to like mm-hmm. pop up. Okay. Um because speak I'm thinking them. Uh, speak them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about um, the little bits of Ed's childhood that we get to see. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a lot is decided for him, right? Like the yes. things that he wants, he can't have because he doesn't deserve them because people like him don't get. And that those are the words that his mother tells him that people like him don't get those things. Yeah. Um, so I think it would make sense that in this series of episodes, the thing that he wants is Steed, which is a, a fun, and I, I hate to call a person a thing, but like, let's just go with the metaphor, sure, sure, which sure, is sure. a fine thing that he doesn't deserve mm-hmm. because of the type of person mm-hmm. that he is and that he's been told that he is. And mm-hmm. so he doesn't speak up for it because he doesn't believe that he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and I don't, yeah. Like, I don't think he's doing it maliciously. Like he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't value him. Mm-hmm. I think he values him so much that he thinks he doesn't deserve that something yeah, of that value. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that's also why, like you said, that he's cowering during the duel and that, mm-hmm. you know, he tells Steed, you were always going to find out who I am um, mm-hmm. and leaves with Calico Jack. And then the moment that he realizes that, you know, he's not just leaving Steed, he is putting Steed or leaving Steed in a very precarious position where he's, in all likelihood going to get killed, that's right. when something kind of like Snaps. wakes up in him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he could he could lie to himself. He could convince himself mm-hmm. that Steed will be fine without him. And then he's faced with three English ships bearing down on the revenge and he's like, okay no. He's yeah. not gonna be fine without me. Mm. Yeah. And um, now I have the chain in my mind. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, gosh. It was just such a good moment. I rewatched it twice, actually, when I was rewatching yeah. it. I just played oh, it twice. So it was so good. It was so good. Well, and I want to point out, like, um, and it's a it's a narrative function. It's a little bit of a pet peeve for me, right? Okay. So do you ever notice, like, and I'm just going to use Supernatural as, as an example because <laughs> we know it very well. Yes. Do you ever notice that, like, um, like the boys will get in the car to head to a case and then it cuts the scene. And then the next scene you see is them arriving at that place and they've driven at, for hours. Like it's very yeah. clear that it's like days a sometimes. couple of states yeah. away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When they get out of the car or when they park the car, then they stop, turn to each other and he's like, okay, so here's the deal. Here's what's going on. And you're like, 
Did you all not talk about that at all during the car ride? Like you couldn't have discussed this at all, you know? And I understand <sighs> what's happening, right? I understand that it's it's a television show and like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I noticed he pulls himself up. Uh, so this is after Calico Jack, you know, has betrayed him and he dives off the dinghy and he goes back to the revenge. And this is Ed, right? So right. Ed pulls himself up and he's like, raise the white flag. And uh, Steed says, Ed. And he says, better alive than dead. Yeah. And then it cuts to the English seeing them raising the white flag. And then that's when the chain starts and they're rowing over. Mm-hmm. And they don't, we don't see them speak again until they are thrown back, thrown on the deck. And Ed says, you came back or no, Steed says you came back. And Ed said he never left. Mm. By that time, Steed, by that time, Ed is dry. <laughs> like he's yeah. no longer soaking wet, which whatever. Um, <laughs> true i didn't even know how much yeah i know but how much time has elapsed between him raising the white flag and them rowing over that they didn't have a conversation like they they didn't speak to each other at all they didn't say oh you came back oh this is what happened like they didn't like have a meaningful conversation until they were literally thrown on the deck like minutes had to have passed for the after they raised the white flag waiting yeah. for the ship to come, for the dinghy to come over you know <laughs> wow and i noticed that i was like huh <laughs> that was what got me i was that's like too funny. Man. that's so true i never really thought about that but i guess that makes sense i i recently started write, writing uh fan fiction for the first time in a very very long Ooh. time and that's actually one thing that i tend to have happen in my fix where like it's um it, they talk a lot in the car. It's, uh, yeah, I agree. I feel like we're robbed of a lot of those moments in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and this isn't a criticism of it. It's just like an observation, frankly. Like, I'm not mad yeah. about it because the stuff that we do get is very, very meaningful. But there yes. are moments where, you know, it sounds like they're talking about something for the first time, but like they're, there's, there must be so much happening in the background that I can't really believe that it's the first time that they're talking about this. Right. Kind of like when I hinted that their kiss on, like in episode nine, I don't think was their first kiss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or there's at least nothing to indicate that it's their first kiss, truly. It's their yes. first on-screen kiss, but anyway. Yeah. It's, um, there was a criticism of, and I'm going to use uh, Harry Potter Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, I do not like JK Rowling, but Harry Potter was very formative of me. So (laughs) just (laughs) FYI, putting that caveat out there. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Like we can't, it's, it's, you know, JK is transphobe. We don't like her. Uh, however, the work that she produced has been very important for our generation. And so a lot of our cultural references actually come from there. We are not asking people to go read the books or consume her media in any way. There you go. Carry on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> with that, with that being said, yeah. so the last book there was the critic. There was a criticism of the last book um, where they spent so much time running around, like going from place to place, hiding. And the first half of the last book seemed to meander a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I actually loved it because we had spent so much time with those characters that yeah. just being able to exist with the characters was like. Oh, okay, they're not gone yet. 
like, okay, mm-hmm. like we didn't just jump right into the nitty gritty of it all. Like we are just living in a space with those characters. And I think that because of the nature of 10 episodes that are 30 minutes a piece, it's so, so tightly structured. Exactly. That we never get a chance to just like live with the characters. And we've said mm-hmm. before, like, give me all those in-between scenes. Give me the yeah. scenes where they're just laying around shit talking. Like, just give give me all of that because mm-hmm. we love the characters so much. So sp- speaking about that, I want to talk about the oranges. Okay. Because I, upon rewatch, I noticed something that I haven't really seen talked about. Um, okay. So, okay. So we see, we see Ed and Steed eating marmalade in episode four. Uh, and those are oranges, right? And we, so we talk about how, yeah. um, I think... I don't have the exact words here, but Ed says that he loves it and that Steed also loves it um, and that he made room. He took less of something in order to be able to pack more marmalade, right, Um, on the ship. And I thought that that was funny. Uh But I also saw a lot of folks on Twitter blaming the lack of oranges on basically Lucius and Black Pete fooling around instead of actually taking stock of rations, and that's in episode five. Mm -hmm. However... I demand justice for them. Yeah. Because in that delicious, like, daddy scene, <laughs> you can see a bunch of oranges hanging in a net. Oh. And it's right behind Lucius. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so the oranges are still there in episode five. Now, in episode seven, we find out about the 40 orange glaze cake. Uh-huh. And none of the crew knew about the cake except for Roach. Right. And so we know that from episode five, they still had oranges then. And in <laughs> that, in episode four, we find out that Ed loves marmalade. Oh. Ergo, I think that the cake was ordered by Steed in order to give to, to Ed or to Ed. share with Ed. <laughs> the cake was for Ed. Oh, um, it, just as you were speaking, I had an epiphany about the marmalade. Oh, yes. Um, so what are the two main ingredients of oh, marmalade? Yes. Oranges and sugar. Oranges and sugar. And yeah. I think you pointed out like sugar was a commodity that he would, that Steed would have because he owned yes. a plantation, but like absolutely the symbolism of oranges, which mm-hmm. are super important to pirates mm-hmm. like Ed and sugar, which is super important to plantation owners like seed, having something that they're both enjoying that's basically a symbol of the two of them combined mm. is Aww. just very interesting. Now I want to make like, marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Screw all these orange cakes. Everyone exactly. needs to make marmalade because it is the perfect <laughs> symbol of their relationship, of their pairing. Truly, Truly. So you talking about possibly that Steed had the cake made in order to impress or seduce Ed. As an act of courtship, basically. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Because it takes me into a tweet that I think we sh- yeah. I shared with you. And I apologize. I'm going to have to go back and find it. No worries. That Take your they time. said that uh, the way that Ed was seducing steed sexually and ed and steed was seducing ed romantically 
And if you take that and you're just like, yes. oh, they were. That's true. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I went, when I was rewatching, you know, you had said like in the, um, you wear fine things well in the moonlight scene, mm-hmm. um, that Ed leaned in and I he hadn't does. seen it at first, but he totally leaned in. He leans and in. like, yeah. And like just the, the thought of, of them, of him thinking it's just going to be a quick roll in the hay. Like, Oh, okay. Is this what we're doing? Oh, Oh no. Oh, Oh, that's not what we're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like is just so interesting to me because he's, he's down for it. He's openly queer. Like he's let's go. And Steve's just not quite there, you right. know? And he also is just courting him in a completely different way. That's very And true. Ed's not used to that. No. And so it's interesting because it seems like they don't understand the way that they're courting each other. Sure. Yeah. Because I don't think that Steed really understands that Ed is courting him at the, at the very mm-hmm. least, like for the first few episodes. Oh um, yeah. And then, and, and then I, I, we, we know for a fact that we don't, that Ed doesn't understand that Steed is courting him because uh, Lucius has to tell him. Yes. That weird little man likes you very much. <laughs> I love that Lucius was was both um, integral in in two moments with mm-hmm. Ed. It was when they were on the treasure hunt and he basically verbally slaps him and is mm-hmm. like, wake up. And then again, when he's on the island with Calico Jack, Lucius is there reminding him, like, remember what I said already? Like, he likes you. Yeah. And you've ruined it all. Like, he had warned him, you're on the verge of ruining this. And now he's like, and you've done it. Yeah, like exactly. I said. So. I, I really love the role of Lucius. I wish I could. I didn't pay yes. that much attention to, like his his role on on this rewatch but like that's something that i really do want to pay closer attention to because i feel like he's a catalyst for so much literally so much and and not only between steed and ed but also like with regards to to jim and alu yeah he's the marmalade he's He's the marmalade (laughs) he's the combination of the two yeah you know he's obviously grown up um with some some type of hardship just like mm-hmm. Ed, um, you know, there's, he was a pickpocket. There was, you know, you, it just makes it really clear that he didn't grow up living the life, you know, living this grand old life, but mm-hmm. he does have some sort of formal training. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he knows how to read and write stuff like that. So like he has his foot in both of their worlds and he is yeah. able to pull them both together and knock their heads together and be like, this is what I'm seeing, dummies. I feel like there's something to be said here about elder queer people. Uh, mm-hmm. Because although Lucius isn't, isn't, is not an older person in this, yeah. uh, in this show, I think he plays the Seasoned. relevant. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I tend to use elder queer because it's it's something that's <laughs> that I've heard, and so I tend to use yeah. it. But like obviously not yeah. in terms of age, but like you said, in terms of of experience, because he has experienced yeah. both romantic and sexual queer love, and so he's yes. able to make that translation for these two men who are inexperienced in their own ways, with yeah. Steed being inexperienced or seeming to be inexperienced uh, sexually, and Ed mm-hmm. being inexperienced romantically. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. So like they're the they're the baby queers. You they know? are the baby queers in so many ways. Absolutely. <laughs> in so many ways. Like yeah. yeah. I think Ed's a lot more aware, but he is also feels like he's not worthy. Well, yeah, uh, I, I think, think Steed's the more oblivious of the of the pairing. I <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to read it, you know. I I I think that you know, I I don't know if Steed is truly the one who's more oblivious because he from the get-go is trying to impress him and make him like him and it wouldn't be impossible for steed to have had previous romantic experiences with men Mm -hmm. without them having gotten physical necessarily or sexual at the very least i don't know the only the only thing that leans lends me to that reading is like his epiphany with Mary later on. Mm. Um, and he's just like blown away. Like, Oh yeah. Wait I a minute. <laughs> I do have someone like that. Yeah. And that's true. I think we talked about yeah, it in a previous right. podcast where it was like, um, do I want to be him or do I want to have sex with him? <laughs> <laughs> do I want to be know? him or do I want to fuck him? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, some of that can be seen as hero worship and, you know, he, he's so wrong footed when it comes to be, being a pirate that some of that wanting to make a good impression might be, you know, him as like hero worship. Right. No, you're um, completely right. You're completely but, right. Like he's just so excited when you, you've heard of me, you know, he's on the brink mm-hmm. of death and he's like, oh, you've heard of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I know I all that. about you. Like, Oh, <laughs> I think I think this is a great place to mention that we are allowed to interpret things a little bit differently, and that's okay. And yes. I wanted to make a point because we had a convention. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay, sorry. I was so excited about that. It was so lovely. <laughs> it was, so, it was so amazing. Oh, Ugh. it was perfect. I mean, I think it's I think it's it's clear to everybody that I am a very very yes. big Izzy stan, and that I absolutely love Con O'Neill. Um, yes. it's a surprise to no one. So yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> so Con O'Neill and Nathan Fode were at a convention and they spoke, uh, about their characters and gave mm-hmm. opinions about their characters and gave their motivations behind certain scenes of how they played their characters, which is great. Mm-hmm. Certain creative decisions. Yeah. Of the creative yeah. process, like letting us in a little yes. bit on, on the intent that they put into their performances. Right. And so coming from the Supernatural fandom, we've had extensive history with actors giving us insight into how they played their characters. Mm-hmm. And while none, neither of the actors said anything bad about the motivations of their characters, and they were all extremely well thought out and insightful, yeah. I just want to point out that all interpretations made in good faith are valid interpretations. Because I saw a little bit of scuttle on the timeline that was like, see... Con O'Neill said Mm -hmm. Izzy was like this, so therefore you can't read Izzy as as this, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, well, you know, as long as it's in good faith, as long as you're not coming from it and, you know, just to tear it down or you're or you're being homophobic about about it or anything like that. But like the media media gives us these characters without fully fleshed out motivations and backstories in the canon. And after it leaves their hands, it's free to be interpreted as long as you know it's not explicitly stated then you can interpret it and you come 
you come from so many different backgrounds. We all come from different walks of life and we have different insights. Yeah. And ultimately what is media? If not a mirror, you're supposed to see yourself in these characters Mm -hmm. and I'm going to bring something completely different than, than you might bring or someone else might bring a person of color might bring a, you know, a neurodivergent person might bring. Yeah. We're going to bring so many different uh, backgrounds into this that we might see, especially an antagonist having motivations that are completely different. But, Mm -hmm. but if it means something to us, then that's okay. If it's not harmful, if it means something and it's done in good faith with, with well thought out, reason and Mm -hmm. you know people using the actor's words against other fans who are using their lived experiences to understand a character or a story is just not something we should be doing and I personally don't like people doing that so that's my little soapbox (laughs) (laughs) no I I mean I completely I yeah it's really hard I think not to draw parallels with Supernatural just because of how traumatized we've all been by that cognitive dissonance of like what we see on screen and what we're told the intention was put into the characters. And I really don't want to talk about that, but no, yeah. (laughs) Um, because for some reason my words are always taken like as if I mean the worst things when I talk about this particular topic, I don't, I'm just noticing things, but yeah, it, so it's hard for us not to draw parallels with this. And I think that you know, not being aware of what you saw on Twitter. I Mm. think that I tend to be a little bit more open to what the cast and and crew of Our Flag Means Death has to say about their characters and the intention that they put into their, their story because it's Mm. in such good faith. Yeah. Right. That that is a good point. Yeah. It's usually things are left quote unquote, open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. And that's not representation. So the things that they chose to make textual and make explicit were so well done Mm -hmm. and so well thought out that I think I would give them a little bit more weight to the process behind it than as opposed to other other yeah, as opposed to other creators (laughs) talking about their intentions, which is fine. And and at the end of the day, like, you know, I shared I shared a TikTok with you about how if something is not in the canon of the book, the TV show or whatever media, then it's really up to the audience. You know, if the creators really want mm-hmm. to make this specific thing clear, then it should be put in the canon of mm-hmm. of the story. And then other you know, it's it's so weird because up to interpretation used to mean used to be like a liberation for queer folks because it was yeah. like our us reclaiming the right to see ourselves in media. Mm-hmm. And you and I have seen this used as a way to mm-hmm. throw us back in the closet. And yes. I, I resent that so much because it feels, yeah. you know, like weaponizing our own attitudes toward media against us. Um, exactly. That's my soapbox. Because people who are opposed to queerness, Mm-hmm. or who view things through a very heteronormative lens are mm-hmm. also free to interpret things mm-hmm. as they see it. And even if it screams queer to you or me, it gets 
weaponized against queer fans. So, well, that's not how I saw it and blah, blah, blah. And there, and more to the point, that's not how the actor saw it either. And it's exactly. like, you know, which is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, open to interpretation is not representation and it's mm-hmm. not good enough anymore. Well, and, I mean, to and to be fair, this show doesn't do that. And, and, I, and that's one of the things that I love about it. They're like, look, you can, you can ask, you know, you can debate uh, Lucius's backstory and you can debate Izzy's motivations. Yes. But you ain't debating if Ed and Steed are in love. <laughs> exactly. Or even <laughs> there's that. no debate on that. Or if Lucius and Black Pete are together. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, in my mind, no debate about whether or not Izzy, like, wants Ed, no matter how you see that want, right? Like, that no, is no, no. not yeah, up to 100%. debate. It's there. It's present. You know, he's like, oh, that's textual. <laughs> boy pulling a girl's pigtails on, you know, like, he it's, is. anyway. Whew. That scene. Yeah. That- <laughs> watch your words carefully dog like i'm sorry that's oh. that's yeah my favorite anyway. izzy scene is probably um when he's with spanish jackie muttering just and then <laughs> fucking steve bonnet fucking steve. comes in and he just stupid or, fucking steve but like, as, like, as con would say fucking steve bonnet <laughs> fucking, i know it that's was just so good, good. It's so good. I mean, it was just, it was so, such a scorned, hurt lover. Yeah. And, and then that little wave. Jilted lover. That absolutely. little wave during the trial. Oh, that wave. Like, hi. I know, man. <laughs> hi, oh my God. Back. Love me. <laughs> I have a friend who, who watched Our Flag Means Death for the first time not too long ago because she was a bit, a, a little bit like us, right? She was a bit afraid of like, oh, is this really queer or is this just like the fandom mm-hmm. saying that it's queer? when it's actually not and she watched the first like three episodes and she didn't really love it she didn't pick it up but then I went over to her house and she yeah. ended up watching like the rest of it and the one thing the I get a text from her at one point and she goes Mary that wave <laughs> yes <laughs> the wave what do you love when people see the things that you see and they just yeah exactly oh, especially yes. when it that comes wave. to Izzy he's just so oh I love Izzy I do too. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, you know, you said that the first three episodes, like, people don't really get into. And I've seen a lot of, like, how can you not like the first three episodes? I was yeah. completely charmed by Steed. And and it's, Same. you know, I'm, I'm Steed-coded. So I'm a little <laughs> bit, you know, biased towards that because I was completely charmed by it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people aren't. And that's mm-hmm. okay. That's probably why I love Blackbeard so much. I'm like, I'm steed coated, you know. <laughs> but that's oh yeah. yeah. I mean, who was it? Who was it that I was talking to? Who was like, in in an OTP, you have to be like coded as one of them, and then you want Honestly. somebody like who is like the other yeah. one. I can't yeah. remember who I was talking to about like you, this. You're but, yeah. a cast coded. I'm a cast coded Dean girl, and I'm a Steed coded Ed girl. Oh, <laughs> like that's me. Oh my god, I'm the opposite. I love it. Are you? <laughs> you're an I'm Izzy coded Izzy girl. No. <laughs> <laughs> you are not Izzy coded. Yeah, the re- in that particular pairing, I'm definitely like a blackbeard coated uh, steed girl. But yeah, I I agree that my whole heart belongs to Izzy, um, in in many ways. Well, you know, yeah. If you're blackbeard coated, 
Blackbeard loves Izzy. It makes sense. It makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense. At the end of the day. (laughs) I just wanted to kind of like bring it back to Ed and Steed just like very briefly and then we can move Uh on because I have another thought that I want to talk about. Um, No matter like how you interpret who loves who in what way, one thing that you really can't... So, I mean, again, we're not saying that any of this is up to interpretation, but I think like the way that the mechanisms of the of the relationship can be discussed right um and so in that very first episode where they're interacting with each other uh ed says you're a fucking lunatic and i love it and Mm. like the look that he gives steed like they actually like each other and like so oh right And at Mm -hmm. the beginning, you know, like there, the sexual tension isn't there yet. The romantic chemistry isn't there yet. Like they just genuinely uh, like the other person Mm -hmm. and like the rest comes later. Um, Well, before he knew he was Blackbeard. Now, obviously he, he looks like a, a skilled pirate. Mm -hmm. So Steed isn't going to think like, oh, he's just like me. Like he's going to be like, oh, you're a pirate. But right. he was introduced to him as Ed and not Blackbeard. And, mm-hmm. and he says, you're a good man, Ed. Like, yeah. he was impressed by him. Exactly. And he thought he was a decent person, you know, on its face, not knowing mm-hmm. the persona at all. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think, honestly, like, rewatching it also, like, and I this is not in my notes, but it's just sort of, do you remember that scene where, like, uh, Mary uh, is, like giving steed an earful about the the ship the ship replica like the small ship yes and then in literally the following scene izzy is like this is fucking stupid like why is does he have a tiny ship on a ship and yeah yeah. ed loves it right yeah yeah this time around i noticed how much of steed and mary's relationship is paralleled with with ed and and izzy's like it, it literally it's it's wow (laughs) yeah yeah it is you'd pointed that out um on a previous on like when as it happened you were like Mm -hmm. oh just like with mary and steed and i was like (gasps) (laughs) so yeah now i watch it and i'm like wow yeah yeah he's his he's his ex like he's the one he's leaving and because he's bored with them yeah you know no matter yeah exactly discomfort in a first mate state <laughs> in the matelotage uh yes. state it's yes and this is where con's words at the con are are kind of like ringing back to me where he's like is he wants to do better and to be better but he doesn't know how mm-hmm. and like it, i think that speaks to a lot of the stunted growth that izzy has yeah. you know experienced throughout his life throughout his yeah. long 16 year old life <laughs> <laughs> has anyone um, asked him about that like, I, you know you're supposed to be like 16 right <laughs> I, okay tangent let con take his top off challenge like let him <laughs> take off his so top. badly so badly he deserves it he deserves to take off his top anyway let's, let's hope david jenkins let's has seen that <laughs> orchestrates that for season two (laughs) i would liquefy like literally just be like a puddle on the floor oh Oh, he's great i mean you know this because i've told you but i haven't told our listeners i purposely do not tweet con o'neill's name because (laughs) i would die if he perceived me (laughs) yeah 
And I actually commented on a tweet that he ended up retweeting. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's <laughs> maybe like, he's, maybe I, he perceived you. Yeah. And I kept getting likes randomly. And it turned out that he had retweeted it. And I was mm. like, wow, this thing has really picked up steam. It was just dumb. And mm. I was like, oh, 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 it's because yeah. God retweeted the original tweet. And people are looking at the replies underneath it. Right. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the only time that I ever tweeted his name, I was I was on private. I didn't like. I, oh, okay. I was like, nope. <laughs> um, I, think, so, I think my tweet was like, you know, and on the eighth day. God said, let's do it for the gays or something. <laughs> really something stupid. I love it. That's a good one. I'm sad that I didn't see it. I would have liked yeah. it. Um, there's also a teeny tiny detail in episode four where uh-huh. Ed is saying that he thought he'd have a cooler death, like being eaten by a tiger. Yeah. Now think about the end of the show. Oh. And so I suspect that and this is like pure, you know, tin hatting uh, or uh-huh. like, you know, fictional tin hatting. I think that the the Red Widow, basically, I, her name escapes me, um, that like she knows um, Ed. Okay. I, because why would he be talking about a tiger? Or why would he be talking about a large cat? It wouldn't surprise me that Ed would think that this is a tiger. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem right. not possible. Yeah. Evelyn was her name. Though. Evelyn. Thank you so much. I had to search in my notes. I was like, <laughs> that's fine. I have this somewhere. Because that's the thing. A steed ends up, like, officially killed by a wild cat. Huh. A jungle cat. Also, I mean, that's more... Over in like an Asian area, and he said he wanted to go to China. That's true. Maybe it's yeah. foreshadowing. So there's another thing that I noticed upon rewatch, and it's like the fact that they talk about Blind Man's Cove. And I did a really so the whole reason why this came up is because I very recently recorded a little special episode for my other podcast, Carrying Wayward, uh, about the art that's present in the green room in season uh, four, when Dean is like basically taken, like kidnapped by oh, the angels. Yes. yes right. Yes. Okay. Uh, quick little plug. That episode is coming out September 16th, if you're interested <laughs> in hearing about it. But in that episode, we talk about a painting that's called Blind Man's Bluff. Ooh. Um, so like blind man's cove blind blind man's bluff like it just sort of like rang very familiar in my mind and i was like huh Uh -huh. let me do a quick search and Uh i will inform you that i was not able to locate a blind man's cove in north Uh america there is one in ireland but it doesn't there doesn't seem to be one in north america now that doesn't mean that maybe it was called uh blind man's cove by pirates but not by colonizers right right? so like putting mm-hmm. that as a possibility it made yeah, me but think the writers had to have come up with it somehow so you wonder how there they you go. found it if you can't find it yeah that's and that's my whole point because i 
So Blind Man's Bluff is a painting by Jean-Henri Fragonard, uh, and it's from uh, the 1700s. So it's a little bit after, it's 1750 that they estimate this painting was produced. So a little bit after 1717, but definitely within the same kind of um, period, right? Uh-huh. Um, and the painting is full of deceptions where games are being used as a pretext for seduction. Oh. And so that made me think. Are of, you kidding me? I am not kidding you. <laughs> and so that made With me all the think games of like. They were playing? All the games that they were playing. <gasps> CJ trying to like get Ed to come with him. Uh, you know, bad mouthing wow. or, or like, you know, um, intimidating his current boyfriend. Yeah. It's but I mean like literal games they were playing. Whippies yes. and Yardies yes. and yes. the the crab and the turtle fighting and like mm-hmm. literally the games. Yes. Wow. It was a pretext for seduction. And I think that in that moment basically it's a way to create subtext about CJ trying to seduce Ed. Uh-huh. Um so that's that's something and that being I, successful. And being very successful, yes indeed. Yeah. Now yeah. The the last thing that I want to talk about. I'm so sorry for taking up all this time. Oh no, no. <laughs> I have another point to make too. So. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I was really struck by the first thirty seconds of episode one upon oh. rewatch, and I know that that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but let me let uh-huh. me go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first thirty seconds is literally just like a black screen. That says 1717, and it talks about the golden age of piracy, and it talks about Steed Bonnet uh, leaving his life in order to become a pirate. And then the last sentence that's in a different color is, things did not go as planned. And so, like, my expectation when I see this is that I'm going to see some sort of, like, historical fiction uh, that's going Uh to use, like, Western values of storytelling, um, and when I mean Western, I, I talk about like white, colonial, patriarchal, heteronormative, uh-huh. all that stuff. Yeah. But the reality is a complete irreverence towards that, especially towards historic, quote unquote, historical accuracy. Uh-huh. And like, it's also irreverence towards like the tendency of modern media to classify LGBTQ plus as like a genre, which it isn't. It's not a genre. It's yeah a part of life. And I think that what's really interesting here is that Frenchie is the storyteller at the very beginning, right? So mm-hmm. he's singing the opening song. He's a black man, uh, possibly a queer pirate, as opposed to like the white hetero colonialist who usually mm-hmm. are the ones telling the story and not only the story, but setting history as we know it and defining it and defining how we think of it and how we tell it. Uh-huh. And so I just love that literally Frenchie sets the tone for the show. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know, rewatching it, I'm like, oh, they told us from the beginning what this was going to be about. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just think so, that it's, it's truly genius the way that they did this. I'm, I want to build on that for just a second. Yeah. I, as you're saying that, I, I pulled it up because I wanted to see the exact wording. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says 1717, the golden age of piracy. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet set out to find adventure and renown on the high seas. Things did not go as planned. Dot, dot, dot. What was the plan? Like, so they're telling us. (laughs) He set out to find adventure and renown. 
Didn't he find both of those? <sighs> You're right. Oh my gosh. I think the fact is that he found love. <laughs> that was not the plan. I, and, and that is the point. That is the point. Like it, the the things did not go as planned. Was it turned and it that line turns red, and it's like oh, because he fell in love. He fell in but, love. But so the adventure and renown was the goal, right? And now those are secondary, right? Wow. But he he planned to find adventure and renown and he succeeded mm -hmm. people knew who the gentleman pirate was that mm -hmm. he had edited heard of him and he was having adventures mm -hmm. but the plan wasn't to fall in love in the middle of that you're absolutely that's right so cool. <laughs> that's very cool and again like i think that this is just Again, because they're so short, there's so few episodes, they have to, for better or worse, as we've discussed at the beginning of this, they have to keep things really tight and say a lot of yes. things in very little time. And I think that in yes. those 30 seconds, they manage to tell us so much if we're only willing yeah. to listen, you know? Oh, yeah. I wonder what, how many drafts that title card went through. Not title card, but that introductory card yeah. went through. It's like paragraphs and paragraphs. No, wait, they need to know this. No, wait, they need to know this. And right, they're like, look, exactly. just, just cut it down. <laughs> yeah, let's cut it down to to the bones. And it works so well. I think that they do really well. So oh I think um, one of my last points, do you have another point? Was this your last point? I do have another. Okay. It's just about the fear. Uh -huh. Okay, go ahead. Um, fear is the most powerful emotion. Uh, those are words that are said by Ed. And he says, turn your enemy's fears against them. You'll own mm -hmm. them. Now, when, yeah, when you think of that in the context of the last episode and what Ed ends up doing and becoming, you know, I think that oh. that reveals a little bit about how afraid he is of the darkness inside of him. Um, and how afraid he is that that darkness is pushing others away. And yeah. I also wonder if that's why he quote unquote goes back to Izzy because Izzy knows about that darkness and yeah. idolizes it. And like, he's not going to disappoint Izzy ever by yeah. well, being I mean, this kind of man. Steed is pushing him to be a better man and being mm -hmm. a better man is hard. Yes. It's easier to be ruthless and uncaring. And he found how hard it was and how emotionally vulnerable he made himself right. and how much that hurt. And so now he's like, fuck it. I'm going back to the persona mm -hmm. of not caring, which when we see him break down because of the lighthouse painting, he, get, he got rid of every book and didn't get I rid know. of the lighthouse painting because he literally couldn't. Yes. You know. And we've had a conversation but, about this, I remember, about how, like, because you were really upset by the ending, and I don't mean to laugh, yes. uh, but, like, I remember... <laughs> don't laugh at me, it's fine. <laughs> but, like, I remember not being that upset about it, because to me, like, the fact that he was crying about that meant yes. that he was still in there, and, like, okay, right. that's fine, it'll be okay, they'll have a rough time, <laughs> you know, they'll have to right. set a few things straight, but they'll, they'll Look, get over I it. I am so... I need a happy ending and I understand yeah. that this isn't the ending, but I need a happy ending. I completely agree. <laughs> and like that's me when I read fan fiction. It's if it's, if there's not a happy ending, I am not interested because mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt like that. So no, yeah. And even, even a lot of angst will turn me off yeah. and I'm just like, Oh no, can't handle that heartbreak. I'm, I'm here to be entertained and, 
and feel mm-hmm. good and not feel bad. So even right. though there's some angsty fix out there that whew, just are wonderful, I, you know, it's because I got caught up in them and I was like, well, I'm, I'm in it now. <laughs> you know. But like, if I can go in with complete clear eyes and they're like, oh, wow, this one has so much angst in it. You'll cry your heart out. I'll be like, no, no not, not for me. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same, honestly. Like, that's why I'm so afraid yeah. sometimes, even a fix, even if they're really well tagged, because I'm like, you say angst, but how much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very subjective. <laughs> exactly. Like, I get it and I like a little bit of it, but I, I need, I need happy, happy. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I'm all done with, so, with everything. Okay. Um, I think, um, so unfortunately, and I hope I, we don't disappoint anyone who's listening that we didn't really talk much about the crew, um, because Ed and Steed and Izzy and Lucius are kind mm-hmm. of the four main players of, as far as the, like the largest arc. And I, I absolutely adore each member of the crew. I think yes. every single one of them is so wonderful and sweet. And, and as far as like where they end up and, and where they're going and everything. And I don't want to go point by point into each one, but I did want to point mm-hmm. out a scene that really, um, there was a juxtaposition that really got me sure. at the end of episode three, when Steed is they're on the Spanish ship and he is strung up and about to be hung. Mm-hmm. Um, the crew is not very forgiving. Jim tells him, explicitly you're the worst pirate captain i've ever seen in my life you yeah. know just which i mean jim isn't wrong that's fine right. jim's not like, wrong <laughs> jim's not wrong but i want to say that juxtapose that with the act of grace scene when they stand up for him yeah. and prove that he's a real vicious pirate and read from the mm-hmm. book and all the one day has the plant and oh, and they're like, yeah. oh yeah he and and buttons is like he's a pirate which Buttons was probably the most legitimate pirate on that ship. Right. And so for him to say he is a pirate, I mean, just he's just lit up from it. Juxtapose those two scenes where he is facing certain death and the crew clearly isn't behind him and clearly mm-hmm. is like, oh, thank God, get rid of this guy, to no, we're going to stand up for him. And just the growth that you've seen them all go through over that period of time is just super cool to see so yeah i mean he's you know steed has earned their respect over that time um you know which is is something that steed i don't think has had to do before because of his position in life his position in life granted him the respect of others whereas in this particular adventure he's had to earn the respect of the people around him Mm -hmm. um and i i uh, I just love the fern also the fern's journey through the show going from like this like basically plant that I would tend to throw in the garbage because it's Mm -hmm. I would consider it dead and then to become this like beautiful um leafy green with like new growth thing in episode 10 is like is really cool yeah why did they have a plant on a little fishing boat anyway? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but like they clearly say also like when they, I was going to say when they drive away, but like when they sail away, like take care of the plant. Like what? They said that? Yes. The fishermen? Yes. There's like a oh. little very faint, like take care of the plant. And I was like.
like, what is happening? Who cares about the plant? Like this, that is this so makes funny. no sense to me. So so yeah. Oh so I think gosh. that uh, you know I think that the the fern can have a lot of meanings. I think it can talk yeah. about like you know Steed's self worth, uh, Steed's relationship with his crew, Steed's relationship. Sure. Yeah, you know, some people have said it's Steed's relationship with Ed. I I don't think that I see it that way. I think it's more no. with steed himself or steed and the crew or steed's relationship yeah. with piracy i don't quite know exactly but i think that there's yeah. a lot of possibilities I wouldn't here read it, i wouldn't read it like steed's relationship with ed i think that's separate and i yeah. think it's valid to have something separate that doesn't mm-hmm. need the show isn't just as much as we talk about it steed and ed yeah. it's you know it's him trying to figure out his life mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah. i think that should lead us into predictions Mm -hmm. so i know that we've already talked about like predictions in our last Uh episode but you know with this rewatch are there anything is there anything that you predict will happen or things that you wish to see happen because i know that sometimes like it's a venn diagram where like something sure you know (laughs) we want to see happening but we probably won't get um right you know like a full episode just narrated by izzy just is not likely to happen <laughs> yeah, that would be great you know what's so funny is that rewatching that episode where he's narrating i had the same question yeah. i'm like who is he talking to who is, he is this his to? journal <laughs> dear diary dear diary a bad day <laughs> dear diary ed made me eat my toe yes yes <laughs> Predictions. I'm really terrible at predictions. <laughs> and I almost <laughs> don't want to do it because it's like, no. I want I, I, I to think about where we left our characters. So Jim and right. Frenchie are with Izzy and Ed and the crew. Right. And then Steed is with everyone else, but with no money yeah. and no ship. And yeah. so... <laughs> Just a dinghy. <laughs> Just a dinghy. And yeah. like, we've already established that like, finding someone on an open sea is just a thing that they do in this world. So that's okay. So, um, I think you and I have been, um, at odds a little bit as far as when they're going to (laughs) reunite. Right. (laughs) And I keep, I keep torturing you with the fact that I think that they're not going to reunite until the season two finale. (laughs) Uh, but do you mean reunite in what way? Like, do you mean that they're not going like, to... I think they're going to be adversaries for most of season two. Oh, I see. Okay. Like, and not to the point where they're, like, really wanting to kill each other. But, like, I don't think that they're going to reconcile until the end of the season. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. No. Okay. So that's... Is that a prediction or is that... Like... Uh, yes. I'm going to predict okay. that. That's your and prediction. I, I, can, I'm, I am a person who likes to uh, expect the worst and hope for the best. So when I'm mm. pessimistic, it's because I want to be pleasantly surprised. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I guess then on my wish list, I hope that they reunite sooner than the end <laughs> of season two. Um, because I think that there's a lot to explore there in terms of like, how how do they both grow from this yeah. yeah you know and i i hope that we're going to see that 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually take notes about this. But yeah, yeah. I think one of my hopes is also that like we see a little bit more about Lucius and Aluwande's um, backstory. Mm-hmm. Because we know a little bit about Frenchie. We know a lot about Jim. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say we know about Black Pete, but really we don't. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, it's all lies. <laughs> it's, it's all lies. And did you notice, actually, sorry to, to kind of change no, this, fine. but did you notice in, in upon rewatch that like the moment that Blackbeard and Izzy are on the ship, like he doesn't talk about having been on his crew anymore. <laughs> oh no, he, just he starts, He's like, right oh, up. fuck. <laughs> and then when... when uh, Ed leaves with Calico Jack and Steed is giving him like the divorce speech. Yes. And he's like, what if we see ourselves as more as like Blackbeard's crew? <laughs> I know. He's the one person that isn't like, okay, well, we're here with you. He's like, oh, I'd rather go with him. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. It's too funny. Such a shit. <laughs> he is a little, I love him for it. Um, oh yeah. He's great. Yeah. So maybe I think, so that would be my wish list. but I think in my predictions, because I think that that would be possible, it would be like a flashback to how the crew was formed or how yes. Steed found this particular crew. Um, yeah. Cause I, I don't know that they'll spend so much time on each individual crew member, but I think that, you know, doing a flashback to, to how because we were wondering about that like how did he find these people yeah, you know? yeah so i think that it would be possible for us to get like a little peek into that do you think that we will see mary or the children ever again or do you think that's done i the way that they left it it sort of seems like it's done i yeah. had wished that it wasn't uh, yeah. but i think for everybody's sanity and you know like if if he really wants people to believe that he's dead, then he can't really be visiting his right, ex-wife. Right, you right. know what I mean? Like no matter well, how good friends they left, might be. And she was left in such a good spot that like usually right. characters have to have some sort of strife, right. uh, some sort of arc to tackle. Mm-hmm. And she was left in her happily ever after. So, you know, I hope they don't rip that happily ever after away from her just to, as much 100%. as I want to see her some more. I'd rather her be happy over there where we don't see. I think I would love to have like a little like side note about, you know, a show somewhere or like a flyer where Steed sees like the widow bonnet, you know, like I think that that would be cute, a cute way to like integrate her to show that she's still thriving. Um, Well, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of story to be had when in like season 13 when his daughter has come of age and becomes a pirate that that's what i'm predicting <laughs> in season 13 i was like what are you talking about it's like are we back in supernatural his daughter we'll just keep going his daughter he she was the one who was like super into pirates and then when he yeah. had that like had that fever dream she was yeah. like pirates don't deserve to live and then mm-hmm. she's the one who kept half of the orange of the petrified orange and it's just like you know that would be really cool if they if they like kept this going for like a dozen seasons and like added <laughs> her in when she was an adult <laughs> yeah yeah i mean sure well speaking of that one thing that i really do hope that we that you know they integrate is like other historical pirates uh yeah. i'm thinking about uh and bonnie um uh-huh. And Mary, uh, I'm blanking on her name, but there's another uh, mm-hmm. 
pirate Mary Reed, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and she also went as Mark. So I think that that oh, okay, is like yeah. right up the show's alley. It would be really yeah. lovely for us to to get to to meet this this person. Um, yeah. Hornigold, I think, was mentioned too often for us not to meet him. Yeah. I don't know if he's still alive. He was like kind of mentioned oh. as such a past figure, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. Right? I mean, again, I feel like this show yeah, you is, never know. is yeah. like, <laughs> you know, they don't really care. He'd have like, to be, yeah, he'd have to be like an Crocs, older gentleman. Like, yeah. Well, they're um, all supposed to be like in their, if you look at historical pirates, they were all in like their 20s and 30s. They were young. Uh, uh, most of them in their teens and twenties, yeah, yeah, for that's sure. true. Yeah, like being so, in your thirties was uh, you were old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Blackbeard was young, young. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Izzy is sixteen. If he died at like twenty-one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. So anything's possible. Anything is possible. I had a prediction. It's gone now. I keep saying that I think Evelyn <laughs> is going to come back. Her costuming she was so good was just too specific for them not to do something with that um and i think that that would also be the way of bringing mary back into the story somehow without disturbing her peace um she just yeah good yeah so jim's original storyline seems to have reached a conclusion you know yeah you're right but we end with Jim being on Blackbeard's ship and separated from Olawande. Yeah. And so our main three couples are separated. Well, again, I think that that comes down also to turning their worst fears against them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I wonder why Jim was chosen, why Jim was chosen against their will mm. um, and is treated like a prisoner. Remember that, especially in the first episodes, people talk about Jim as being uh, a real pirate yeah. um, and being scary. And I think Frenchie is the one to say, like, if Jim yeah. stabbed me, I'd probably be like, yep, I deserve yeah. that. And then Lee John goes, oh, I'd love I'd love for them to stab me. <laughs> I'd love to be stabbed by Jim. I'd love to be stabbed by Jim. Maybe. No, thank you. So I think that there there might be something there where Jim, yeah. like they're a really valuable um, yeah. warrior, basically. Yeah. The, the scariest read I can think of, well, it's not really scary because they don't know that Jim and Spanish Jackie has, have come to some sort of resolution. And right. maybe they knew that uh, Spanish Jackie had a bounty for Jim. Ooh. And maybe they go, they, maybe that's how we see Spanish Jackie again. They like take Jem to Spanish Jackie and they're like, we want the reward money. And they're like, and Spanish Jackie is like, no, we're cool now. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I would love that. That yeah. would be genuinely amazing. <laughs> I, I still love my favorite thing is when the Admiral is like, they call you Spanish Jackie. And she's like, yeah. Uh, are you Spanish? No. Well, why do they call you Spanish Jackie? I don't know. Like, I just love her. Like, she's so like, I'm not giving you an inch. <laughs> Leslie Jones so plays good. this part with her whole being. Yeah. She's and so good. 
Yeah, honestly, like I again, if we're going with wish list, I want to see more of Spanish Jackie. Like yeah. I, <laughs> so maybe that's how we see Spanish Jackie is they try to like sell get the reward for Jim. Right. And they're like we don't need that. <laughs> like we're... Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think that that makes sense. And that um, Frenchie's there, like halfway willingly. Like, what's that about? Like, Frenchie knows. Frenchie, he's made it very clear. He has. He has survived in yep. so many different ways mm-hmm. uh, by just going. Okay, whatever you need. Okay, well, yep. all right, let's go do this. And like, what about him? Mm-hmm. Did they? Is it just because he knew how to sew? The rest of them knew how to sew. You know, uh, we, John made his mother's dresses. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm just interested why they picked Frenchie. Maybe they wanted someone who could sing and play music. <laughs> I think that he's probably the one with the most different talents. And so yeah, like, true. you know, that's useful on a ship. Uh, whereas my love, we, John, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. did I, did I tell you this on a podcast or was it separate that um, the musician on the ship was basically only on Sundays allowed to not play if requested? Really? No, I didn't know that. Did I tell you this? Yeah. So like basically it was pretty, va- of course they don't have television. They don't have the internet. They don't have entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so it was pretty important on pirate ships to get um, someone who could entertain you. And so you would have someone who could play music on your ship and that person would have to take requests and only on Sundays were they allowed to say, no, I don't want to play today. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So I just want to say that pirates also had mandatory rest for their workers. I love that. Love that for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Looking more and more good to be a pirate (laughs) yeah (laughs) especially on steed's crew where you get like a salary for whatever you do um do you do you have any other predictions or wish list or are we ready to to move on i think we're good okay i don't feel Um, like being wrong about everything (laughs) (laughs) right that's true (laughs) Now, this week, instead of uh, reading a message in a bottle, I thought that maybe we could talk about what the show has meant to us, like kind of a quick summary of, you know, what what we've taken from it. Okay, well, why don't you give me your thoughts first? First and foremost, uh, this show will, in my mind, always be associated with my friendship with you. Um, It's true. I love you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) because it means that like we're better friends because of it and just for that like i will always love this show no matter what happens in future seasons no matter you know no matter what yeah um beyond that i think the way that the show presents a world without homophobia has been incredibly healing for me in like a schitt's creek kind of way oh yeah um and the fact that the leads are middle-aged and the message basically is like it's never too late to be who you are like I just think that it's it's basically what has meant so much to me about it and I can definitely see this becoming like a comfort show whenever I'm sick or depressed or upset in any way yeah 
No, definitely. I think that's on track with what I feel as well. It's such a sweet show. It's it's so short. It's so easily bingeable. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, all throughout this, I have, I never want to like, I mean, we talked earlier about like people's interpretations being different, but like, um, I never want to say like Steed is this or Ed is this, but like, as far as like my queerness, um, and again, I'm saying I'm Steed coded, um, because he was seducing Ed as, as romantic instead of sexual. Like sometimes I see Steed as possibly asexual, Yeah, definitely not aromantic, but asexual and like seeing someone come to that realization as I did in the middle, you know, in a middle age as I did, you know, Mm -hmm. and realizing like there's something not working here and it must be me. I must be wrong. Like I'm, I'm straight and I'm married and there's, there's something about this that isn't working. It's just cause I'm weird. It's just cause I'm wrong. It's just cause I'm broken. And when you finally discover that it's, you're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just not what you thought you were. Yeah. Is so powerful. And mm-hmm. for me to go through that journey and then see that represented in media in a very safe, comforting way. Like it, I I don't know if I would have dared to trust it had people haven't watched it and said, no, this is safe. I promise you, yeah. I promise you it's safe. But knowing that it was going to be safe and knowing it was going to be something you could explore and be free to, I mean, the creators and the actors and every thing have said like, it's every single, everyone on that cast and crew are some flavor of queer. I think Taika Waititi said that was like, and I was like, oh, like that's such a generous reading of it because you could say, well, you know, Mary's straight because she's with blah, blah, blah. Like you don't have to, no, you don't have to qualify that. You don't have to change it. You can just say, yep, every single one of them. Well, so that's, well, that's a little something that I also noticed this time around is that she wears a lot of masculine clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, even, even if the clothes are, are quote unquote, and using this very loosey goosey, historically accurate, mm-hmm. um, she doesn't wear the same dresses that the other women wear. She's wearing an overcoat the same way that the men do. She's wearing a cravat. She's wearing, you know, like it's, there's definitely something Uh about her gender expression at the very least. And this show has made it clear that they understand that there's a difference between sexual orientation and gender orientation. Yeah. Yeah. And so they might be exploring Mary's gender even though she's in a heteronormative relationship. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's still queer. Right. And I think right. Juan said that really nicely. He's like, it's not just a gay, <sighs> it's not just gay. It's queer. Yeah. You would say like, that. And it's just, that was so powerful that he got it. Yeah. Like, because people use gay as queer a lot because the word mm-hmm. queer can, can be very divisive. Like it was hard for me to unlearn that it was a slur. You know, mm-hmm. and that, oh, no, you, it's okay for you to use it. And it's like, is it? You know, <laughs> is it? But yeah, I think especially people who are a bit older, like, I mean, like us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was it was an adjustment for sure. Right. And so, you know, for him to correct someone is is a further reclamation of 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 the slur. 
Like, no, 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 and you I think, can say queer because that Im- that is so much more inclusive than gay. And there's something more and there's something else to be said also about the fact that today some people still want to exclude the word queer because it includes trans folks. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. it bears, you know, we talked about how we don't like jkr because she's a transphobe i think you know if right. we're talking about the word queer and what it means and what it has meant and what it means today you know it's it's a truly inclusive word and i i'm yeah. i'm pretty guilty of using gay as like an umbrella term but yeah. like right queer queer is perfectly great and that's that's how i identify anyway because yeah. my queerness is not only about my sexual orientation like it's it extends to a lot of other things so yeah yeah oh yeah i agree it's just, it's a really special show and, you know, it, it's almost unnecessary to do a podcast about it because it's just us going, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong. There were things that, especially about masculinity and, and social structures and right. colonialism and, and, you know, race that, mm-hmm. that had a lot of, there was a lot of meat on that bone. Oh, yeah. But ultimately, it was just us going, this is such a good show. <laughs> like <laughs> a show sure. like Supernatural <laughs> that has a lot of problematic elements to it where you really can dig into it. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit more appropriate to have a, a podcast on. But when I watched it, I was like, I don't know why we're doing this. We're just saying we like it. <laughs> I mean, we, we're saying we like it, but I, I think that. It's it's just like anything else. When you really love something, you're able to dig into it as well and like yeah. dig into the things you love because we're so used to, especially especially with the kind of queer media that we're presented with or the queer representation in media that we're represented with. Like, it's so easy to be like, well, this is problematic. So when it's mm-hmm. not, it's just so nice. And I think, you know, it's kind of like... Um if you go to like Yelp reviews and they're all bad reviews, it's like, well, yeah, the only people motivated to go leave reviews are the people who are pissed off. So it's like, maybe it is good to have something that's like, no, no, I actually liked this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm leaving a review that's five stars, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So there is something about like reviewing comedy where you're just basically retelling the joke and saying that was funny, you know? So. I'm glad that there was a little bit more to discuss than, hey, this was really funny. <laughs> Iggy. Iggy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Their scenes, Nathan and Khan, are just like some of the most <sighs> iconic that I've seen, honestly, on this show. Oh, actually, sorry. <sighs> Wishlist, no more uh-huh. Nathan and Khan scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy well, moly. So well, good. First, Nathan has to come back. Oh, wish Nathan list. is coming back. Not on wish list. Prediction. Predictions. <laughs> Lucius was hanging on by the barnacle swing. <laughs> I would like to know. I would love to know whether you think when Lucius comes back, will he be with Steed or will he be with Ed? Will he oh, be? That's a really close good to, question. Like, was he hanging on to the boat or was he in the sea and he's going to go to the island? Because I still I, think uh, having the three couples separated is something that is going to motivate them to get back together faster. So if, like, Lucius is on Ed's ship with Jim, who, remember, Lucius hid from Jim mm-hmm. on the ship. Yeah. Like, maybe Jim will help Lucius hide from Ed. 
But like that means all three couples are separated. Now, if if Lucius was yeah. in floating in the ocean and goes to the island, then him and Black Pete will be back together, which, you know, is fine. Okay. It's know. fine. Whatever. He it's would fine. be reunited with Fang, though. Oh, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yes. Because to me, they are a polycule. I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So um, But yeah, no, I think I think that narratively it would be more interesting if he if he found his way aboard the revenge. Yeah, I agree with you. I think so. And actually, sorry, but you mentioned the barnacle swing uh-huh. um, again because of that art episode on Supernatural. Um, along, so in the in the Supernatural green room, also there is a painting of the swing by Jean Noiré Fragonard. And so the same painter who painted Blind Man's Cove, and it's also about seduction. There, these two paintings are often <laughs> presented together, um, and it's basically about somebody having an affair. So like her, her, you know, somebody like this couple who is having this affair and hiding from the woman's husband. And oh, I wow. just find it so funny that Lucius is on a swing when he asks Fang, like, "Have you ever been sketched?" <laughs> So again, there's like this seduction there, um, you know, and Izzy sees it as like him having an affair with Fang instead of Uh like, you know, like, yeah, he was trying to reveal it. Like, I'm going to reveal it. I'm going to reveal that you were doing this. And he's like, tell him, I don't care. Yeah. And then, yeah, that really lovely moment of like, we don't own each other. So I really love that. But yeah. So again, like queer media using, uh, Jean-Honoré Fragonard paintings <laughs> as that's, subtext. Oh my God, that's too funny. Oh wow. gosh. That's crazy. Wow. That is, that is crazy. Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Please do wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you found on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Gentleman Pirate. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. We'll be back with new episodes once we get closer to season two. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Should I do that one? Oh, yes, I'm going to do that one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. What's a pirate's least favorite vegetable? Oh, oh no. Um, (laughs) Least favorite vegetable. Least favorite vegetables. A carrot. (laughs) I don't know. No. Leeks. Oh, (laughs)